What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Ba, 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 ba. Your thrice weekly podcast where we talk about the hottest news with a touch of what, Terrence? Good old humor. Good old humor, man. It's the start yeah. to another week. Uh, yeah. Started off rainy where, where I'm at, um, but right now it's sunny. How about yours? Mm. Yeah, dude, I, I don't know if you know. Uh, yesterday's sunset was was pretty crazy. Like there was a red mist over over parts of the island, Singapore. Oh, uh, it was red in my area. Like, I don't know about you. And then I after that, the rain yeah. and the, the overnight rain was pretty insane. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't recall that. The only thing I remember was Saturday night, the moon was fucking insane, man. Yeah, it was yeah, a yeah. full ass moon. I think it's the brightest moon I've seen. Uh, uh, for as long as I can remember, Crazy, yeah. All, all, all that happened is they announced Lawrence Wong next PM. Yeah, full moon come out, red mist come out overnight, like showers. Oh, yeah, someone's oh, trying uh, to tell us something. Did uh. <laughs> <laughs> someone there was news that I think now the latest articles today was that oh, fifteen out of nineteen people supported Lawrence Wong. So the question is, who mm. are the four? The magic four. The magic four. The four musketeers. Yeah, yeah. but cool, man. Cool, cool. Uh, well, we're but, not speculating about that today, lah, right? Yeah, yeah we're not speculating. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have a couple of interesting topics. The second one mm. I really want to talk about. Uh, um, I don't know. We'll, totally we'll hold on to it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it's up my alley, but uh, it's up something, lah. Yeah. But yes, before that, what 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 are we? What's the plug for today, man? Uh, I think you just you just told told us that uh, told me or corrected me about a little statistic that I said last week about a couple thousand people listening to our podcast. Actually, I've been... Uh, I'm standing here corrected. Uh, yeah. Right, Harish. So <laughs> yeah, what correct. is the actual number? I mean, like, we definitely get more than a couple thousand, but one public kind of stat we, we wanted to share, like, uh, just that I noticed this morning, is that we have 8,000 followers on Spotify. And mm. it's... Uh, because for artists... Wait, that means... That means um, when you go to our podcast page, there's a follow button, right? I and, think, and yeah. When, when you hit that follow, means that every time there's a new update, uh, these people get it on their Spotify homepage, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I mean, that's pretty pretty cool. And if you look at our graph, it's like just up and to the right. Uh. So so that's fucking great. Uh, and yeah. because for our singers on Spotify, they have uh, monthly listeners and all that. So for a podcast that puts out stuff three times a week and for it to be growing... Fucking made my Monday morning, man. 8,000, man. Yeah. 8,000. And those are people just on Spotify. There's all those other podcast platforms and all that. So, so yeah. What a what a nice way to start the week. And just a shout out to everyone who has hit the follow button. Mm. Now we've got to go back to our YouTube days. If you like the show, please mm. hit the follow button. You know, like, comment, and subscribe. You can't do any of that on Spotify. Yeah. But, but, just, but actually, it's, it's true because last week I... I mean, I I, I was uh, I had been doing a bit of research myself, and I found out that you know, podcasts are really the one of the most uh, ancient mediums that still almost relies on the RSS feed mm. to you know to to populate your Spotify or your Apple Podcast everything. So it operates very differently from us uploading a video on YouTube or Facebook or what where it sits on the platform, right? Mm. It, it, it's really about we upload the podcast to the internet, and then these podcast platforms claw and take it and put it on their own platforms. Uh. Yeah. So um so there's this uh we there, there's much less of an algorithm that we can game or anything like that. Mm. So that's why we've never asked people to oh hit the follow button on Spotify or anything because 
to uh, to us as uh, we we don't know where you're listening to the podcast on. Mm. So um, it, it, yeah lah. For I mean, guess for the first time in Yalaba history, we're gonna ask and say, hey, if you if you enjoyed the content, hit follow so that you you'll see a regular updates. Ah. Yeah, I thought you were gonna go down the path. You know, we are we are past the days of asking people to follow. I'm like, fuck no, man. Fuck no. No, no, no. Follow no, us. Follow us. Yeah, I heard, uh, weren't you very touched last week when all those people came up and, and said they love our podcast and listen to it for current affairs and all? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I love to see more of that, you know, and people telling us things like, oh, you know, like uh, listening to you guys gives us more ammunition to score people and everything. Yeah, exactly. Which is and essentially why we started the podcast in the first place. And feel smart and, and feel yeah. just know enough to... to Potentially come across as like okay, you kind of know what what's happening, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like you and I literally we we there were lunches where we sat down like you know this happened to me over the weekend. I wish I had a better zinger to score the person, but but like you know what what do you suggest I score the person with next time? Yeah, right. That's that's <laughs> how we start with every brainstorm before every podcast. What yeah. can we arm our listeners with to score people during the next meetup, lah? Mm-mm. And speaking of which, cool. there's a lot yes. to school people about this week, lah, right? Mm-mm. The second topic, lah. Second topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, second topic. But first topic, first topic. First topic. Yeah. Um, what is yeah. this first topic? It is a editorial published by Today newspaper on seventeenth April, which is a Sunday, and the title is "The Big Read: F and B Manpower Woes." Whether the big big productivity push or are there just too many eateries in Singapore? Mm. So mm. it was a interesting article. And it talks about um, broadly. It is uh, how FMB outlets and eateries have been impacted over the past few years because of COVID. Um, how some of them adapted by infusing technology or improving productivity, um, and how some are kind of finding it tough because there's so many other problems to solve. And the question whether there are just too many FMB eateries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, be, uh, yeah. So it's a, uh, and mm. this a lot of the they include a lot of statistics about the industry in this article. Mm. So I, I think it's quite it's quite interesting also. Yeah. So why did you want to talk about this? Mm, I think uh, the broader topic is. I mean, today is the eighteenth of April. Tomorrow, nineteenth uh, April is the day when nightlife and and FMB outlets can. Go all out and party already, lah. Mm, Lawrence Wong opening them. bottle. Yeah, everyone can open. Already. Lawrence Wong's Lawrence Wong's big party happens tomorrow. You yeah. got invited, or you get you get invited. <laughs> I never get. Never I always get. I see know. the sun, the moon, or yeah. Maybe Chan Sing. Maybe Chan Sing got a separate party. <laughs> yeah. He organizing a separate party for for other four G, other the four people, lah. <laughs> the four people who didn't vote for. for and, then, and then Ongi Kang is just waiting for his invite for for either. <laughs> I don't know whether he'll get it. I don't know whether he'll get it. No, no, no. no. Better quickly <laughs> post something on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, yeah, yeah. So tomorrow is a significant day. Uh, yeah. FMB sort of returns in full strength tomorrow. Uh, almost mm. full strength. La. But uh, it's true la, that I don't know if you've been out to E3s lately, but I feel like there's a shortage of, of workers at every place I've been to. La. Yeah. yeah. And have I you mean, felt that? I felt that I mean okay first of all there are more crowds right there, there mm-hmm. are there, definitely can They're feel back. the crowds yeah yep. um, but it's also the short actually the shortage of workers I wouldn't say I felt it maybe it's because mm. like me and my fiance we are cooking a lot more so, so we're eating ah, okay, we, okay. we're not eating out that much um, but yeah I haven't felt it man 
So when you say you feel it, means means what? Uh, means that I've been to a lot of places and they literally tell us, oh, you know, our kitchen needs another uh, 10 minutes to to set up, so please wait. Or, or you know, they, they're like, uh, they open, they, they say their opening hours are 10 a.m., but actually they, they're closer to 10.45 a.m. when they finally open. Oh, uh, I did, this is just from this long weekend, lah. Basically, when I, I, you know, I had to take my kid out, and and you know, kids are up early and all. Mm. So I'm usually the, I'm the first customer at a lot of places. Uh. I see. Uh, yeah. So I I do get a feel like uh, restaurants are, are trying to catch up with the with the reopening of FMB and out and all uh, And this article kind of. I mean, it puts in very clear terms in both with statistics and with a lot of anecdotes about the F- manpower woes that F&B outlets are facing. Uh. Mm. So, okay, so maybe since you bring up the statistics, uh, just to just to quantify that we're not just talking out of our ass, um, the Singapore Department of Statistics, SingStats, basically showed that in 2020, 15,400 employees left the F&B sector um, and there was only, in 2021, there was a net increase of just 600 workers last year. Mm. Uh, so those two numbers are not entirely apples to apples but but uh yeah there's that number and then 2019 saw a net increase of 6200 workers so 2019 mm. versus 2021 6200 versus 600 um and then the number of resident workers in accommodation and food services fell from 131800 in 2019 to 125000 last year so about 6000 mm. uh, uh uh less la. then um but interestingly enough, there was a net increase of almost 1,500 new F&B companies over the course of 2021. Yeah. And in 2020 also, there was 1,300. And those numbers like the 1,500 is the highest increase over the past 30 years. So on one hand, you're getting a lot of people leaving the industry. But on mm. the other hand, you're getting a lot of people starting F&B uh, companies. So they don't specify whether it is full-on retail companies or, you know, like home home baking businesses and all. Mm, mm, mm. But the fact is, there's a lot more of that. So, just based on that, it does feel like, oh, shit, there's, it's not a, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Right? Yeah. So, so you're saying that there's, uh, even though there are more people leaving the industry, whether as uh, employees or business owners leaving the F&B industry, but there's also more new F&B businesses being set up. Lah. Over the past 30 years, lah, yeah. as in uh, compared uh, to the past 30 years. Lah. Uh, yeah, 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 correct, correct. Uh, at least during the pandemic, surprisingly, more people set up F&B businesses, lah, right? Yeah, correct. Mm. So, so I think there's been, yeah, the article also states that um, it's a bit counterintuitive because, yeah, as a, you know, a lot of people were suffering the effects of uh, lower footfall, lower human traffic and everything. Mm. Uh, at their restaurants but it seems like more people feel like they can make it in the F&B business and they want to set it up yeah and there is also another stat um, from SingStats also is that in 2020 there were 20,159 food shops like physical establishments um, mm. which was a 2.5% growth compared to 2019 so even that grew mm. from 2019 mm. to 2020 right uh, yeah. the figures for last year are not available um, but yeah so so then it becomes a whole thing of like, okay, you get F&B companies clearly suffering from the effects of the pandemic, uh, more so than a lot of industries. 
And yeah, so so the article just talks. Then the one big thing they talk is about the productivity push, lah. Mm-hmm. Right, and they gave some examples like a soup spoon having this uh, automated ordering kiosks, the Tang Lok Group having this fucking massive machine that can roast their ducks, mm-hmm. um, a lot Correct. more automatically, lah. Yeah, actually, I wanted to ask you. So, so what's the, what's what what have you seen in local FMB outlets that that uh, you know in terms of this kind of robots or AI that they're using to to improve their services? The only thing I think I recall was that that tray returner at a hawker center or food court. Tray returner. The Isn't one that, that usually goes around collecting trays. Fuck you lah. Uh, the <laughs> trolley. Please, those are human beings. Okay, this is one of those <laughs> those big ass things going around where you put your tray or something like that. If I recall. Mm. Uh, oh but, yeah, I think I've seen what I've seen is something similar, but it's more for serving hot food. Like the serving hot food, uh? like a robot. Uh, it's a Chinese made in China robot because I think the instructions are in Chinese, uh. Uh, and and it, it has Chinese letters and everything. And they put the tray of new, uh, like a tray of uh, a dish or what lah, you know, that comes from the kitchen, and then it it will drive up to your table. Uh, I mean, roll over to your table, then turn to face you, and then you're supposed to collect the tray yourself. Uh. Mm, I see. Mm, so I see, that's I see. what that's probably the most. Uh, the most uh, you know, Blade Runner two zero four nine thing that I've experienced in terms of the FMB productivity push lah. I see. Uh, I mean the 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 kiosk, the ordering kiosk from McDonald's. Those were around way before COVID nineteen already lah, right? Yeah, but certain restaurants like Soup Spoon uh, and all implemented it just as the pandemic was starting. So there's one mm. thing that this article pointed out that if you're a big ass conglomerate like McDonald's doing mm. this kind of productivity pushes, are like okay lah, like. You have the funds lah, but for mm. an FNB, maybe doesn't maybe one or two outlets to make a push to change over to this is a is a big ask lah. So yeah, on the Reddit thread talking about this, that was one thing they said They're like, yeah, everybody wants to be more productive. Everybody wants to be more productive, but can you can you afford the bandwidth to kind of take a step back and implement this lah? Mm-hmm. Right. Even yeah. I mean, even between us or and whatever teams we have uh, had in the past, which are never huge. To even migrate to like I don't know like uh going from I remember when we went from PowerPoint to Google Slides. Do you mm. remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like okay, we need to get on Huge. board this yeah. and like it just and that was just Google PowerPoint to Google Slides, no? Yeah, correct, correct. The but yeah, so I I did I mean the article does uh I I think towards the end of the article they very briefly touch on it lah. Mm. But uh you know the 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 change in having a human touch. To versus uh you know having a robot do things for you, especially in F and B experience uh, how important is that for you personally? Uh quite important uh. Also really in, quite important. As in what, what what do you mean? What is quite important? Like, um okay so if I'm going to eat at like a a, a restaurant or something, I would want a human touch lah. Like mm. uh just being cooked by a robot. My first thought is like eh, like fuck this robot is like. It can scale indefinitely, you know, and if the food is still expensive, uh, why, 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 why is the oh, price still so high? So, so there's the cheapskate uh. in me. There's a cheapskate okay. in me, lah. Okay. Whereas a human thing, I feel like okay, it's really like the uh, it's a it's a label of love or something, lah. Like uh, mm. or like, it's almost like uh, an artistic kind of thing. Mm. You are creating something, and and I would like to respect that, lah. But if I go to, I don't know, if I go to a hawker center, see robot, that also will turn me off, uh. 
But yeah, then but how about but just now you were just you were just making noise about it like uh you know an old uncle, old auntie pushing a trolley to pick up to take your your trays and all. Mm. Then uh, versus a robot taking a clearing a tray for oh, you. Oh no, but that one is after the meal. That one ah, I'm okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. But if it's cooking the stuff, then like it's a it's a different thing, like. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, like like I think actually, uh, in a sense, quite similar. Mm. Also, the idea of uh, you know, there is just a robot doing it and following an algorithm or instructions, you know, uh, and and not not actually even coming close to tasting the food and understanding what is the what is the the what 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 is it about duck that makes a duck uh, delicious like, right mm. you know i mean the, the the machines don't understand that yet like all they do is just follow instructions um i mean i, I really hope i really do advocate that that chefs should taste their own food before they serve it also like right mm. to, to to just be aware of what they're serving and how it tastes to people like. mm. so I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I I'm not a huge fan of of when I when I read that uh, a chain like Tian Xiao'er uses uh, ducks, uh, uses machines to cook its ducks. It makes it actually makes me less want to eat it less, lah, for real. But when it says okay, so to clarify, they basically use an automated duck conveyor system, lah. It's not mm. just like an oven or something, lah. Yeah, so, yeah. It's it's more. But for those sort of stuff. So, okay, so for those sort of stuff, I'm a bit more forgiving because it feels like there's still a few steps between the duck that comes out of that machine to the duck that ends up on the plate. Mm. If it's the kind that really fucking just takes the duck, cuts it, blah, 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 and I don't know who the hell is, 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 like whether there's a human involved or not, then I feel a little turned off. But that kind of machine, I'm actually okay. No? Oh, yeah, okay. But then the, the, the thing to me that stands out is that they said they managed to cut the number of people uh, working on the duck from 12 to 4 la. yeah and right. to me the moment you cut the number of people means that either that person is is even the, there is a, a taste tester la. let's say like one of the four people his job or his or her job is just to taste the duck to make sure it's okay right mm. uh, after all your palate also gets tired right you know mm. you, from you have to eat three times the amount of duck per day compared to before you have to taste three times the amount of duck because you know, eight of your employees, eight of your colleagues got fired already. <laughs> la. So you do taste three times more duck. Like that surely affects your sense of taste also, la, right? To me. Uh, so quality, quality takes a hit, I'm, I'm pretty sure. But I mean, that's the thing about the, the whole productivity dream, right? Like, um, mm. you're, that, that, that was also something that I think people were pointing out on Reddit. They're like, okay, you have all these productivity gains and all, but are any of the benefits trickling down to the remaining stuff? Or are they yeah. going to have to do more? Because if you're going to be paying them the same, then it's like, yo, man, um, it's it's a uh, it is uh, the the less requirement for manpower really just as seamless as that. Oh, confirm mm. you won't need to pick up any of the slack. So that's the tricky yeah. thing that this article doesn't address, lah. Yeah, the article I think they say that oh, you know, these people who are who who are no longer needed in the kitchen, they can be redeployed to other areas like back of the counter dealing with deliveries, lah. Yeah, I'm just thinking, actually, deliveries is the part where I feel like should be more automated lah, as opposed to the cooking side of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, it's, the, it's the packaging, it's the dealing with delivery riders, it's the making sure there are no flies on the food when, you're, when you put the food there to waiting for the delivery rider to come and all. If they focus more on that aspect of, of the automation, I'd be a bit more forgiving. La. But when you tell me your kitchen become more automated, I'm, I'm, 
I'm not I'm not that keen on that lah. But then you know like okay, if I ask you, you know, now with the whole delivery thing, or even let's say you go to a restaurant and all, if you don't know that there was no no human involved, it's just it wouldn't matter, lah, right? It's just you knowing that the human wasn't involved. I mean, if it tastes worse, you know, if it tastes fucking good, it tastes like okay, if it tastes fucking good, yeah, then, amazing. Then you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't ask as much, lah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the the tricky part because I'm sure that some startup somewhere in the world that is working on a robot that can taste 29 million uh, different kinds of tastes uh, in mm. two microseconds and mm. give a full taste profile and all that. So it's yeah. inevitable that it's going to come, lah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, I I think yeah, it is inevitable, lah. But at the end of the day, you know, like it, it's like yeah, lah, a robot versus a human kind of thing. Can you can you have a relationship with a robot, lah? Right. Yeah, that was also inevitable, man. <laughs> <laughs> some say, some say no, some, some say, yes. say yes. But but some okay, there's one more yes. thing also, like, I, I wanted to point out. So you know, recently they announced, and it's sort of on a tangent, but somewhat related. Like recently they announced um, uh, that, like in, in I think in going forward in primary schools, they're going to implement cash cashless payments for kids, uh, right? Oh, and I think. I think it's already implemented in some schools where they wear a wristband that, you know, the parents can transfer money to and all that. And then mm. all the students need to do is just beep the wristband to pay for their food and all. So no longer will you see young kids carrying around, you know, uh, wallets or bags of coins and stuff like that to pay for their dishes. Lah. And uh, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think I've been very clear about that. I, I'm not I'm not full on the cashless payment thing because, for example, when the DBS thing happened, like I couldn't even I couldn't even do my cashless payment for like three days straight, like, you know. So mm. I couldn't pay people, I couldn't transfer money to people for three days straight. Like. So so I, I'm not super bullish on that because I I, I don't trust the banks to 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 put in enough into the R and D and the pro and, and for it to be to work well enough. Like, as in the optimized profits over everything else. Like. Um but that that aside, the the part that I feel is lost when, you know, people go cashless. It's like, like young kids don't learn to count money, you know? They don't mm. learn to handle change or think about, okay, I have how much money in my hand right now. This is all I have to spend. What should I spend it on? And things like that. Lah. So to me, that also takes away a learning, a learning experience for the child, lah, you know? Mm. In terms of understanding on a very micro level what a budget is, how to balance your budget and stuff like that. Lah. So, whereas when everything is just a casual beep, 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 you know, hey, mommy, I have no money anymore. Can you help me? Can you transfer some? That kind of thing. It, it, it reduces uh, the need for people to use their brains uh, as much. Mm. You know, but and you could, I mean, you could argue that, oh, that's what happens when you use Google Maps and all that. You know, you don't memorize roads anymore, right? Which is mm. true. Mm. But But I would say that for a developing brain, like a child's brain, right? The 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 little the concepts of uh, addition subtraction and everything are still you know are still very uh they 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 they're still developing like and it's not uh it's not something that comes to them as easily like. whereas when you're talking about driving you're talking about eighteen year old kids driving eighteen year old people driving so it's a bit different in terms of developmental stages really like, mm, right mm. so so to me all this automation all that uh, on on a tangent it just yeah removing that that human touch also kind of makes us like. Like, like you say, are less appreciative of the work and the effort and and the blood, sweat, and tears that came to even carving out the recipe and things like that, lor, Right. Mm. All you I know? can say is, then you're not prepping your kid for the world of Web three, Terence. 
<laughs> okay, it's all about Web3. Okay, humans are going to be obsolete. The robots are going to take over, man. As you can Deal tell, with our, it, man. <laughs> our dear Mr. Skeptic, Mr. Skeptic Harish here, is full on on the Web3 train already. He's conducting, hey, he's, hey. he's the train conductor right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I say that with a huge pinch of uh, irony because slash, I, slash S slash S I'm, yeah. I'm totally with you on that um, and this is where sometimes I also feel like ah oh, fuck but you know the future is going to be different why keep to older things you know? but I totally agree that, that there are certain things that you kind of need to learn by physically touching shit I remember those days when I would get like one dollar and by like halfway through the afternoon if I'm out of the dollar right that means no food <laughs> right mm. I have mm. to like ah oh, shit I didn't fucking like plan how to how to use it but I can imagine people saying like yeah but then you free up time to for the kid to focus on other things uh, you know in, in the future is going to be cashless anyway why 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 anchor them in something so archaic la? so yeah. that's the kind of thing I don't know I'm not a parent so so it's interesting to hear your thoughts but when you talk to do you talk to other parents about this Uh, yeah a little bit yeah I do, and what's I do. the general sentiment are there any like uh, I, I yeah. think um, most parents they prefer convenience over anything else, lah. Uh, mm. Sadly, you know, in Singapore, we we're not we we don't think that we don't think in a larger picture sometimes as much, because uh, you know I think we yeah we 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 generally strive for convenience in a lot of things we do, lah. Right. Mm. Um. I mean, we're just we're just a very practical group of people and all that lah. so unfortunately you know that that uh, I'm usually the only one making noise about all these sort of things and that's why that's why we do a podcast about these things lah, right to try <laughs> to try and encourage people to, to think a bit more and, and argue a bit more about every little thing lah, right but but in some way like let's say bringing back to these restaurant things you know like um, in I mean okay it's kind of like the opposite in the sense that let's say if you're saying convenience, but let's say the parent, they are, they are having to having some other constraints on their end, la. Like they don't have, they don't have maybe a lot of support and like um just a lot of things to to take care of, and the the cashless thing kind of makes it a bit easier. Mm. Then in some way also that you can kind of understand, right? Like you don't have uh, to worry about um having to take out this thing. Go and then like when your kid doesn't have cash or something like that. Mm, mm. But unfortunately, like the the long term effects on children or mm. of technology, for example, uh, of technology on children, we will only know results twenty years later, lah. You know, mm. when we do longitudinal studies about you know kids, the kids who grew up this era versus kids who grew up in previous eras, like 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 uh, you know the the ability to deal with uh. Uh, conflict. I think you know. There's a lot of studies that show that that kids who, who you know, in, in these days, kids are are much more um, sensitive to what goes on on social media. Mm. You know, their reputation on social media than than kids of prior generations. I mean, than than adults, obviously. And uh, that's something we're only noticing in more recent years, like With with actually ten year studies on, you know, Instagram and things like that. You like. mean kids who grew up on social media like ten yeah. years ago? Yeah, I'm being very sensitive to what people say. I mean, going to darker territory, like, you know, committing suicide over what people say about them on social media and things like that, right? Mm. Compared to 10 years ago when, when 
you know, when they weren't even using social media that much. Uh. Uh, so, unfortunately, I would say uh, this is one of those things we won't have data or, or, or anything to... I, I, I don't have data or anything, any studies to back up what I think. But uh, I do, I do, I do... And, and that's why people are going to dismiss these opinions as like, oh, you all hate technology or you all like just, you know, privileged speaking from your ivory tower or whatever. But, you know, it's it's like when you see kids just, when you see kids just, uh, you know, being mesmerized by smartphones and all that, uh, you really don't know the long-term effects of this on their brain or so, right? Mm. So yeah. when you bring up these kind of things when talking to other parents, do they just ask you to shut the hell up? Yeah, yeah. I'm usually oh, the guy do. that a lot of people ask to <laughs> shut the fuck up at parties and all. <laughs> do not invite me to parties. I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not a fun person to have at parties because I, like everyone's talking about like some fun shit and then I was suddenly, hey, do you hear about the Lawrence Wong, Lawrence Wong thing? What do you think? Uh? Like straight away, like politics is like my number one topic to talk about. You know? No, that's why a few episodes ago you were asking for a watch party for this, you know, you were saying, oh, yeah. nobody messaged for the watch party. Let me take a hint lah, there. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I mean, to me it's like, I don't, I don't care really because, you know, I got my own, I mean, I got my own venting, uh, my, my own platform to vent about things lah. I mean, yeah, so for, so for real, like, yeah, that was yeah. one of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast because, like, uh, we there's a lot of things we want to say, but I, I hate writing a Facebook post to share opinions uh, and it's too one-sided. So that was no, the every time of we, this podcast. Yeah, every time we did over lunch, people would just, like, look at us like we're crazy or something. Our like. teammates, like, basically. Yeah, basically, <laughs> we're eating lunch. Like, why are you all Our talking about this? And all. Why does it yeah, matter? Like, why does it matter to you? Taipung is expensive. That's all that matters today, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Taipung tastes good. That's all that matters. Why are you talking about Lawrence Wong? Like we're talking yeah. about gentrification and you know how the the mom and pop uh, hawker stall is not going to be around yeah. and what the impact of it in society. Like, yeah. Just shut the fuck up. The chai peng is amazing. Yeah. Let's just the eat duck, it. The duck tastes so good. Why are you complaining? <laughs> the duck is delicious. You know? Then we had Terrence just carry on in the corner just whispering to each other yeah, yeah, yeah. our thoughts. But but, but yeah, it's, 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 I think you raised a very interesting point earlier about the, you know, that, that the, the after the cooking part of things, if all the stuff that is taken care of by robots, you're totally cool with that, lah, right? Yeah, I'm totally cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in some way, okay, you look at filmmaking, right? Um, I think last year or something, I chanced upon this this few companies in the US where you input um like a whole bunch of parameters about what how you want the protagonist, how you want this, blah blah, and it spits out like a script. Mm. Like what the mm. fuck, man? Like uh, yeah. there's so many things that we use in it, like we use technology for when it comes to editing or or sound mastering or stuff like that and I have no issues with that but I don't know when I saw that I was like oh my god is that the future and you hear uh, uh, chatters of it of like the Netflix algorithm you know that decides what is the next show they're going to focus on mm. so I, even that I feel okay if you're looking re- retroactively how a show does based on these parameters sure but the scary part is when it becomes the creative context. process uh, yeah right? it becomes like part of the creative process and I mean yeah, that that's where it feels like then we are we're losing the the soul uh, and and there's a bit of that that romanticism there about oh the soul of a story the soul of a film it should come from somewhere deep within uh, not deep within a fucking computer or something uh. yeah, but maybe besides but besides the process it's also even uh, let's say you're on a set shooting a TV show and all right mm. it's actually the the vibe of people on set that also decide 
how the show ends up, like, right? Mm-hmm. How the right. team works together. And I'm not even talking about whether they're high performing or low performing, but it's just personalities. It's just, you know, stuff that happens when people are in a room together. That stuff actually dictates like how a lot of how the the the, the flavor of the show is and, and things like that, lah. So, yeah, I I I'd be very sad one day. You know, production is just merely going on a computer. You know, Unreal Engine Five and just like taking rope, like uh, basically your actors, your your you know your your crafting your own actors from from templates and things like that. So lah. I mean, soon there'll be an algorithm to decide like. How the people gel on set, right? I'm sure. I'm sure mm. that's taken into account also, um, yeah. or like the performance of a particular artist, lah. But then br- bringing it back to the the restaurant, one question that this article kind of posits also is: let me let me just read these two paragraphs from this one economist, uh, CIMB yeah. economist Song Sing One said that while there are too many F and B businesses in the market. There are enough people with enough money to continue to think they can do something different and still make money in the industry. But he mm. added, "There are only that many people to be customers, and we only have one mouth and one stomach. How many cups of coffee or bowls or salad can you consume?" <laughs> so ah, uh, uh, so yeah. reading that basically yeah, the the sentiment is like there's too many lah, like this, and people are thinking they can just do something different and still make money. Well, how yeah. how do you feel hearing that ah? Uh? Um, I I mean he's not wrong in the sense that you know the populations don't just grow. Exp- you you can't scale your population exponentially just like that either, lah, Right. Mm. And and as the world open up opens up again because of COVID, you know Singaporeans will be traveling overseas for and there'll be less mouths, lah, Literally, but at the same time there'll be tourists coming here, lah, mm. Right. And uh, there's always new people born who will want to try. Uh you know, new foods, new cuisines. Uh, what is what is Singaporean cuisine, for example? You know, someone who goes to Makan Sutra in New York, uh, when it, when that when that one opens up, you know, the 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 food, the Singapore food hall, that opens up in New York, they're going to try it there. And then they go like, oh, I wish I could travel to Singapore to try it out, lah. Um, so I would say that uh, you know, this what what this economist is saying is a very it's like it's a he's saying it's a very closed uh it's just a, it's just a pie lah, right mm. a very a pie that never grows in size but but i do think this pie still has the potential to grow larger lah. And, and and a lot of it has to do with singapore as a destination for travelers as a must visit kind of place like anthony bordin has always said singapore is a foodies paradise and all that like you know yeah and, yeah and 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 as more and more young people who are, you know world world travelers and all that realize that singapore is a place to visit to try out a lot of good food. Um, yeah, I, I actually think that, that we can still grow that pie larger. Lah. So so you don't think there are too many eateries in Singapore? No, I, I don't think so actually. I think we haven't hit our full potential of like, uh, of, you know, uh, that, that every eatery you walk into in Singapore is, is fucking great. Lah. There's still a lot of uh, uh, not so great ones. Lah, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I... I get where he's coming from, but I just thought the way he phrased it was fucking annoying. Um, mm. Like, uh, it kind of, it kind of belittles uh, the, the fact that there is inherently nothing wrong with opening up a F&B thing. Like, if you mm. have the appetite for the risk, if you have the funds to, to make sure that if it fails, you're not fucked, then by mm. all means, go ahead. Um, in, in, and I think the focus should be more on like, it is a hard industry to survive. And that was something that 
In the next few paragraphs, the OCBC Bank Head of Treasury Research and Strategy, Selena, links it. Yeah, uh, she focused more on the low barrier of entry and not realizing the hard work that goes behind it. Because I think in one sense, if we were to take the Song Seng One's approach, then why the like why would we start a podcast? How many people in Singapore uh, are there to listen to a podcast that is focused on Singapore news, right? Yeah. Um, but but what I would acknowledge more is that there is a low, very low barrier entry to starting a podcast or starting a YouTube channel or being a, a filmmaker, lah. But it is it's not easy, lah. So mm. so I think his comment was kind of like saying, okay, because there's a finite population in Singapore, there can only be so many E3s and um, there, there's no way for all these E3s or like a lot of these E3s to do well, which I think is like, eh, no lah. Like why the fuck would people start any business in Singapore if if, it's, if your business is not one that can travel? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and don't forget like people's taste change over the years as well. Yeah. Uh, You know, certain foods that, that people, everyone ate like 20 years ago, we don't even find them anymore today. Uh, plus there's still innovation in food going on, you know. Yeah. I won't say like impossible meats and everything. So, you know, vegans can actually eat like stuff that actually tastes like meat, and and a lot of restaurants are offering impossible options, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the food and also, yeah, like, To me, it sounds a lot like in the, you know, how in the seventies and the sixties there was this, there was this. Uh, oh, the world is becoming overpopulated. That's why we need to have a uh, one child policy. Or stop at two, like in Singapore, because was, if not, mm-mm. yeah, if not, if not, we will, we will, yeah, the the world will get overpopulated, we'll die, lah, right? So that was what drove China to have its one child policy. That's what drove you know Singapore to have stop at two policy and all that, because it completely, yeah, like, it looked at the world as this close. It looked at the world, it looked at technology as this closed pie. No, why do I keep saying closed pie? There's no such thing as a closed pie. Hungry is it? Is this hungry, fi- is it? Yeah, fixed sized pie. Let's say. And, and they never thought about how technology could, you know, enhance food production and, and things like that. Lah. And then it led to very, uh, I would say, self-defeatist policies like the stop at two, which we're, we're now regretting, lah, right? You know, mm. our population side, our population uh, replacement is not, is, not, is not going well and all that. Lah. So, um, you know, that, that, it, sounds to me, it sounds to me like in that vein, lah. it sounds in that vein when someone talks about Oh, you know, there's only that many mouths in Singapore and you know, like how many eateries you want to have, that kind of thing. Uh. I would like to uh, maybe have lunch with him uh, and see and talk to him about his thoughts on food because he's come, yeah. I think he's coming from a, almost a, 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 an extremely data-driven kind of thing. Like, but correct, correct, yeah. like F&B and restaurant is also a, a creative pursuit, like, no matter mm, whatever mm. way you look at it, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's true. Like, I mean, of course, there's certain... I'm sure that he has examples like, for example, bubble tea, right? Yeah. At one point, you know, early 2000s, bubble tea was very hot. Then I think they overdid too many bubble tea shops everywhere. Then they closed down for a long time. And then... But then now they're back. 10 years. Yeah, now 10 years back. later. They're all <laughs> they're over back. again. And everybody and then, says, bubble tea is a fat. Bubble tea is a fat. No, yeah, it's not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 10 years later, they, and then they maybe they expanded too much again. And then, and then suddenly, coconut, coconut juice became a thing. Yeah. like shakes I mean so it's, I mean, it all changes and there's different opportunities and different, so you can't generalize it's like all oh, these how many mouths there are and that's that's the maximum that they'll eat and things like that like, yeah yeah but I mean the, the, the article did point out also I think the, they interviewed the managing director of Harry's and mm. he pointed out saying yeah like you, you want us to improve productivity but right now we are still figuring out the the loans the manpower shortage and prepping up for the opening of nightlife right yeah 
because that's yeah. also like you have to and yeah so so I think that whole productivity stuff is it, not just saying oh every restaurant must be more productive if you're if you're yeah. not investing in tech you're fucked up you know no man no mm. it's, it's not the case la. yeah <sighs> oh, well there's technocrats for you la. yeah but uh, yeah actually uh, we've been <laughs> harping on this for a long time I know Harish can't wait to talk about the next topic which is actually kind of related to the F&B. food <laughs> F&B industry as well the but this is one of his, his favourite topics uh, of all time I think not say my favourite topic la. it's a topic that uh, yeah la, I wanted to talk about la. Uh, yeah please please the floor is yours what is um, this topic it's the topic uh, basically a mothership article that was published uh, also on April 17th titled Boy urinating in bottle at Tiong Baru Food Court sparks debate. And is accompanied by a very clear picture that is taken quite close up um, of a boy, I mean, like maybe age, I don't know, six and above, um, holding his t-shirt up and peeing into a bottle held by an elderly lady who is seated with a uh, with a big bowl of ice kacang in front of her. Her, her face and his face are, are blanked out, thankfully. But they are maybe like two meters away from a drink stall at the Tiong Baru food court. Mm. So you can't see the the bottle or the contents of the bottle. But mm. it's clear that what's happening. So mm. uh, when I saw this, I was like, hmm, I'm curious how people react to this. And there were just a few screenshots of some comments uh, along the lines of like, please, la, sometimes food court hard to get a seat and the ice kacang is, is there. If they leave to go to the toilet, the worker might think they left and clear the food. Might come back. Uh, so so please be ch- understanding of children who are urgent. Um, mm. Then another one is, meh, seeing this in public wouldn't mess my appetite. If it was poop, I would be grossed out. This is still way more hygienic than people coughing. <laughs> yeah. And then some were like, oh my God, this is so disgusting. Whose mother or child is this? No point wearing a mask with proper hygiene, not practice. So, mm. Mm. so, uh, what, 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 what are your thoughts? Uh? No, I think, I think interesting to hear what, what you have to say first. Uh. I think it's fucked up. <laughs> well, what is fucked up? I mean, the fact is, if you're in a food court, um, mm. chances are the, the toilet is not a mile away. La. Okay. Right. And okay. And I think in this sort of thing, yeah, you you get the kid to pee in a bottle, but I don't know, if something just dribbles on or like just, just oozes out or something or mm. there's some splashing... It just feels like, ugh, why? And I mean, I I am assuming that there is there's no underlying health condition or something like the, and and if that's the case, then I feel like, wow, how can you do that in a food court, in an mm. air conditioned food mm. court? So mm. those, that's my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. For you. Mm, I mean, like, yeah la, My initial thought was like, oh, gross, but. I think just looking at who it is, it's a senior citizen and a very young child. Mm. I tend to try to look at it with a little bit more compassion. Mm. You know? mm. I think you know you like, I think you've 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 rightly pointed out a few assumptions that you didn't make, like, right? But I'm yeah. gonna make those assumptions and and show why why you need a little bit of compassion. Mm. Uh you know, the the assumption that the the, the toilet is easy to access for the lady. Uh, either this is Tiong Bahru Food Court. I've been there before. I can't mm. even know where exactly she's seated in that food mm. court. Uh, correct lah. The toilet is not far away, but it's uh you have to navigate through quite a lot of people, and and let's say the old lady has a bad leg or something like that. You know, it's tough. It's tough to get there lah, right? Mm. 
um, dragging along a, a whatever I think he's about maybe what three or four years old, a three or four year old kid, you know who I don't know it might not be that cooperative and everything to the toilet, especially because he's a boy and she's a female, she's a lady, right? Mm. Mm, might be tricky. Uh. Like the boy might not even be trained to use a urinal, because I've been I've been to. I've been to I recently I've I've been to toilets where I've seen mothers standing outside the men's section and like shouting to communicate to their their three or four year old kid in the toilet. You know, are you okay the urinal? Are you are you wetting yourself? I you know, things like that. Mm. And and she's embarrassed to go in, uh, you know, because it's a men's toilet and uh, that her her boy's inside there, but there's no choice but to just let him go inside there. La. Mm. So um yeah, it's 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 not that easy. It's not that easy to me to say that all oh, these people are terrible. It's 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 disgusting, and it's so easy for them to go to the toilet and get get themselves and get the kid cleaned up and things like that, without thinking out. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, obstacles, you know, in the in their way to to get it done. Uh. Uh, yeah, but that's it. That's it. I I think if anything, if I were her. I would not have let the kid stand on a chair and do it lah. I would have asked yeah. the kid to 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 stay on the floor and then discreetly do it, you know, with his back turned towards everyone else lah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. at the end of the day, kids are all they're all dirty, they're all disgusting, they're all walking vets of bacteria and, and, and everything. And they throw food and they spit food and they and they, they you know, they're everything lah, basically. So to me, a dirty kid is like, okay, whatever already. Lah. It's like, I, that, that's normal to me. If you're not happy with it, you kind of just don't sit near them or what, lah, you know? Because you might get food thrown at you. Yeah. But uh, the way she did it, where she put a kid on the chair and then he's almost like doing it like uh, publicly and, 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 and for her convenience. Or that. That, that That's the part to me that where you, it's a bit inconsiderate in, in Letting so many people see it also, like you know. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up because that's one thing that maybe I should have mentioned. Like, yeah, the kid is literally standing on the chair, um, mm. and they're doing it so in the open because mm. I I I get how uh there's there's essentially no difference if like you have a kid wearing diapers who pees in his diapers in a food court, right? Mm. But that one, I think no one no one will have issues because it's like okay, um, it's it's not out there in the open, lah. I think why mm. I still think this is like inexcusable is because it's so in the open it's almost like okay there's no issue doing this if you sat down mm. under the table does it I'm sure there are people who whose kids pee in food courts into god knows what container uh, under yeah. the table yeah. and I, if you tell me yeah, yeah if you tell me that happens I'm like yeah I can imagine that happening and sometimes yeah I mean I, I don't I don't have a kid all I know about kids is watching my friends and I can imagine kids being super unpredictable and sometimes you really have to is no choice. But is the standing on the chair, it's almost yeah. in line with her ice kacang. No? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She could, I think she could take a spoon of the ice kacang while holding the bottle. <laughs> and, and that to me is like, yo man, what is going on here? And if she got ice kacang, yeah, I'm, I'm making assumptions, but um, she probably, is someone helped her get ice kacang, but then, okay, then can she, can, can there be a different arrangement for the, the peeing? Or if she got mm. ice kacang for herself, I mean, you can queue up for ice kacang, but you queuing up for bathroom. So, I I guess this whole picture is like, what is going? On? And this, the next question is: the picture looks so close up. Who is mm. taking the photo? Is it yeah. just some random person at a table, or does he have one of those super zooms where he's like a few mm. tables away and just mm. taking a photo of this, lah? Yeah, yeah. 
No, but you you saying that you shouldn't take photos if you see stuff like that. I mean, I've I wouldn't say shouldn't take photos, yeah. but at least at least the faces were blacked out. Uh, I mean, like uh-huh. uh, 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 blurred out, You know. Uh huh. But the whole take photo thing, I don't know lah. That one is a whole other topic of discussion, also lah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, so, overall, like, what, what, what do you do? You get a sense of uh, what people are are saying lah. I mean, based on the Facebook posts of the highly esteemed uh, Complaint Singapore Facebook page, uh, generally, I would say just by looking at the comments, uh, more people are siding on like, hey, this one cannot lah, how can you do it in public? Mm, mm. Yeah. So, yeah. once in a while, you get people saying that, oh, if uh, going to the toilet might be tricky, if she's a grandmother, you know, blah, blah. but then you will get your commenters who are talking back against that lah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, lah. There's, there's, is, I, I think there's uh both sides will have stuff to say, uh. It, but if one thing I can agree on is just, uh, maybe don't do it so openly, lah. Right. Maybe in where, your next, where can see it, you know. In your next meetup with your parent friends, you know, after you talk about politics, they ask you to shut up. Why don't you just throw yeah. out this question? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they'll make you the life of the party when you talk about these two. Talk about Lawrence Wong, and then you talk about this boy being in Tungbaru. And then after that, you'll be like, "Hey, Harish, why are my weekend plans with my parent friends all not happening out?" I'm yeah. like, "Yo, man, maybe it's time for some <laughs> reflection and introspection." Getting uninvited from a lot of uh, <laughs> dinner parties. Uh. Yeah. Then your wife will be like, "Yo, Terence, can you shut up?" Like, then you'll have your own little code language where she three taps is like, "Terence, stop talking." Two steps yeah. is like carry on talking, but change your topic a bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, do do let us know what you think about this this issue, lah. You know, I mean, have you ever had a situation not for a kid, lah, but for yourself, where you needed to go to the toilet desperately and and you know, there was really no option. And uh, you had to either pee in a bottle or you know find a bush. I or mean, something. God, lah, one one great instance. But I know what you're gonna say, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It was uh, during the Subaru Challenge. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. So, yeah. so yeah. it was during the Subaru Challenge where, okay, the format of the competition, last person with their hands on the car wins the car, blah, blah, blah. Every six hours, you get a pee break. And it was right after a pee break that I realized, oh, fuck, I need to pee. And for the next three hours, I needed to contain myself. And my family who were there at the time at Takashimaya, they were Googling how to contain your pee. And there are three things that came up across all those various articles. First is you clench your butt. Um, second is you think about sex. And the third is you scratch your calf. So I was trying to do all of that while standing with my hand on the car for three hours. And in the end, I didn't piss myself. La. Okay. Yeah. So that's the story. La. Now you can judge it for all you want, give all your snide remarks and passive-aggressive comments. But I said what I had to say. So Mike is yours. No, no, I I just went for I went for a toilet break, yeah. Because <laughs> every time Harish starts on the on this high point of his life, the Subaru challenge, I know there's a it's a five minute it's a five minute monologue before I get I get to say anything. The truth is, it is one of the high points of my life. What does that say about me? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But, so, but what about you? What about you? Uh I can't think of. Oh, I mean. I I think they're mostly like you know in 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 whether in camping last time in school and things like that lah. Mm. Yeah, I can I I do I do remember bottles being involved and all these kind of things. 
mm. it was intense. Yeah. So I, I because I was in ODEC back in school, you know. Yeah. So there, there were there were instances like this, lah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, you know. So, uh, what was the saying? Ah, uh? uh, let those who cast. Uh, let, let let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Ah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh so you know, don't judge others before. But did you stand on a table so. and piss into a bottle? <laughs> right next no, to no, your ice no, kachang? Yeah, no comment. You? No comment. No did comment. you? I doubt there was ice kachang nearby. <laughs> la. That one you don't <laughs> find ice kachang in jungles, but that's why. Yeah, yeah the other other things are right, you know, like people, like actually people around, you know. Yeah. Isn't yeah, that more scary? Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so do let us know your horror stories of, of using bottles in emergency situations. Mm. It could be a quite interesting conversation. But other than that, what is your, since you've been poking around a lot in Reddit and all, what was your one short comment uh, this time around? Uh, the one short comment. Uh, I mean, there was one that kind of agreed with a sentiment that I shared about how, you know, Lawrence Song is almost too nice to be true. It was by a uh, user fly like a wind. And yeah. then they they put, Harish, I get what you mean about someone who is too nice to be true. For them, it is Marie Kondo. Oh, mm. Lama. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I haven't watched much of Marie Kondo, but but I'm glad there's at least one other person out there who also feels the same way about people who appear too nice. Mm, mm, yeah, so so okay. shout out uh, and, and high five on that. Yeah. I also want to yeah, give a shout out to Agile Aloysius, who actually just like about half an hour ago, uh, gave a comment that, which is something we asked about, uh, saying Chan Chun Singh is probably the smartest person I've interacted with personally. It was during my NS days. It, I think it's folly to consider him as just another SAF general. What mm. I find impressive is that he is able to analyze complex situations quickly and being the smartest guy in the room usually comes up with clear and sometimes unconventional solutions. So the best way to assess is to engage in a conversation with him as I've never heard anyone who wasn't impressed with having conversations with him. I mm. think it's no coincidence that he started his political career in Tanjung Paga alongside LKY. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that, that someone with some personal experience of, of working with Chan Chun Singh and all has come out to vouch for him. Like what I've, I've mentioned before that, that people have, uh, multiple people have said to me that he is the one of the smartest people that he, they've they've encountered lah, or personally interacted with. I think so. The the the, the mystery of of Chan Chun Singh, the you know the public speaker, everyone thinks as the key guy, versus being the smartest guy that everyone has has met before. I mean, um, that's enough to that's enough to demystify it for you. Just reading that makes me just even all the more eager to make him the number one person I want on our podcast. No, no, yeah, no. It makes it even more mysterious to me. Uh-huh. The, the the public perception as the key to the the wool comes from uh cotton cotton wool comes from sheep comment and all that versus what people are who have interacted with him are saying about him uh. mm. maybe know? maybe behind closed doors he's like hello Terence and Harish good day no that's an interesting point because uh I think a couple of people a couple other people uh also commented that oh you know let's not look too much into the Facebook post and the wordings of the Facebook post because. For example, Chan Chun Singh is not uh he's not great with words. And I I I, I want to remind people Chan Chun Singh went to Cambridge University. Mm. You know. He did not go to any uh he did not go to just any any other university. He went to Cambridge University. And I'm sure 
being able to communicate well in English is is one of the important things in in going to the school there, lah. Right. Mm, mm, yeah, so correct, correct. uh yeah, do not do not discount uh his his very folksy manner when he talks publicly to people, uh and say that that's how he that's how he thinks and talks in real life all the time, lah. Right. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. You need to look, look read a little bit between the lines of of what his public persona is and what he actually. Uh, has done in his life, lah. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh. All right, Chan Jun Singh is at the leaderboard of our, uh, the desired list of guests on on Yalabad. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah. Maybe maybe on uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow when we announce the party. <laughs> no, everyone else is partying, and then he's like, "Oh, uh, I'm ready for a podcast." <laughs> hey, you never know, man. Sometimes the people who are the most, you know, like meticulous and all that, when they party, they go, they party hard, man. They party hard, yeah. yeah they party yeah. hard. They party hard. Correct. But yeah, yeah, cool. All right. Then what is your one shook thing, man? Uh, my one shook thing is actually, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm quite interested in uh, the hobby of woodworking. Mm. Although in Singapore, it's very hard because we don't have space and we go in garages and all that. Uh, but I like to to, to read video, uh, watch videos and read about other people's projects that they do at home, especially in you know, all these, all these uh, DIY channels. Mm. So I recently came across this podcast called The Woodworking Talk Show. Uh, by one of the top YouTubers also in the woodworking space. And uh, I listened to it because actually it featured Neil Patrick Harris, mm. who apparently is uh, very big on woodworking as well. Mm. And uh, the interesting thing is that besides just about woodworking, he talks about his general uh, approach to creativity, his approach to fatherhood, and, and you know how he balances uh, kids and the career and his hobbies. Altogether as well, so it's a, it was actually a very interesting listen, and and that led me to you know, um, subscribe to his monthly newsletter or weekly newsletter that he does called Wonder Kid and all. So yeah, do do check out the podcast. I think I think anyone who, even even just faintly or at least uh, uh, just knows of Neil Patrick Harris, you might find it quite an interesting listen. Ah, wow. So so interesting that you bring up woodworking because it just so happened that my one shock thing is this video where this guy makes a katana blade from a uh, hundred nails, mm. and it basically I mean it's one of those there's no narration or anything but it just yeah. very uh how you say uh, very calmingly details the various steps where he melts it down then he hammers it you know those kind of where you heat it to red hot then you hammer 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 yeah, then you just yeah. shape it from like these hundred nails into a Damascus katana blade uh, and sharpens it and by the end you're like oh my god like what is this I mean this guy clearly does it for a living but was he making this because it was I don't know a request from someone or he's just he just wanted to make a YouTube video I mean it has 12 million views like, so Mm. He he definitely got some stuff out of it, but yeah, it's so yeah. so cathartic, man. Just watching it, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it's so it's, cool, so cool. Yeah, one but, of those things that that uh, you know, if you're not invited to a party tomorrow night, you just watch. You right? Stay at home and watch. <laughs> 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 yep. So, so bitter, lah, Terrence. Not bitter. Enjoying, enjoying. Bitter. I'm enjoying the the in, in, indoors life. Yeah, yeah, cool, yeah. cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right man awesome good start to the week uh and thanks for listening everybody <laughs>